Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Nico Tatarovich and we have a wonderful chat. This is the first one, I think, post-lockdown where I've gone back into to London and I've gone back into the office where I very first started recording uh, my guest interviews for Off The Beaten Track. And I met up with Nico um, via... Um, uh, and big thanks to my friend Ben for, for, getting, for giving us this amazing location to record him where we literally looked at across London. Um, felt really lucky to to uh, to record there, and, and Nico's an amazing chat. Um, Nico's wrote some incredible comedy, uh, so many shows that you will be very, very familiar with. Uh, he's got an, a great podcast, uh, and there's he's just got so much going on, and we talk about you know a lot of it uh, during this episode. And he's just a, a, a really interesting, kind guy, and uh, you're in for a, a real treat on this one. Before we get rolling with Nico's chat, uh, some thanks. I want to thank Screwpip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. I'd like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club podcast who produced this for us. If you like your true crime um, or if you want to just listen to a couple of people talking really enthusiastically about all kind of weird and wonderful crimes and and much more than that, we've got some amazing guests on that podcast as well. Some that have been on uh, on Off The Beaten Track as well. So go give um, them a like, love, a share and a retweet and a support. Um, and I want to thank you a lot for um, continuing to support this podcast. I should say, I've just got word today that um, Hotel Chocolat are going to be sponsoring the podcast again, which is great. Uh, that really helps. Um, and... Yeah, and I just want to thank you a lot because it's you know it's your support and your messages and tweets and shares and and all all the good stuff. It's it really makes this is a joy to do. It's no shocker, is it? You know, I get to talk to some amazing creative people, so it's no shocker that it's uh, an absolute pleasure. But the fact that I then throw it out there and you lot listen, uh, it's the icing on the cake. So I just want to thank you lot for for just being bloody nice and supporting us because we're into another year we're 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 close to 450 episodes i think which is which is going some considering the amount of time this podcast has been going getting you know two episodes a week it's it is quite a quite a bit of graft and uh and so that's why i appreciate your support uh tenuous link to uh to support in there um, you hear me talk about Patreon at the beginning of every podcast. Now, 
I know it's one of them things where you think, oh, God, I'll just get on with the chat. But this Patreon thing, it's only a quid. But it's not even a quid, it's a dollar. And it really does matter. And it really does mean you get loads of stuff. If you've been listening to this podcast for ages and you really enjoy it, honestly, thank you so much. But for that for that dollar, it, it goes in the pot to pay for the production and to keep the two episodes going weekly. And and it really does help. And you get you get to watch all the episodes. You get um, little mixtapes. I'll try and put a couple of mixtapes up a week as well over there. Um, go, just go and have a look. Sign up for a week and smash the back catalogue if you want and then and then naff off again. But um, you get to come to the live shows as well. The online monthly live shows are so nice. It's just totally non-judgy. A really lovely gang of people um, that listen to the podcast all just pop up. Some have their, it's all done on Zoom. Some have their cameras on, some don't. Some have their mics off and just, just you know, just watch. Um, but you can get involved and, and, and you can bring your chat to the table as well and we can all have a natter about records and we, as we talk about some of the questions uh, from the podcast on each episode. So, yeah, you get all of that for a dollar a month. and But most importantly, it's a, it's a, it's a big thank you. Uh, and, and, yeah, and it's just a way of... I guess supporting the podcast, you know, more so than, than 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 maybe what you're doing, which is which is amazing, and that's all. Right. It's really weird this bit. This is the bit where you kind of go begging, and it, I don't want it to come across like that because the fact that you're here and you're listening is more than enough. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to support, then I'd really appreciate it. And you can just find out it'd be a link in the the show notes, but it's just Patreon, P A T R E O N dot com forward slash off the beat and track uh so go over there and have a look there's a little video i think i'm over there my big melonhead just telling you you know what you need to do and uh and yeah and if you you if you'd like to support us for uh it's, i think it's about 79p a month that'd be amazing and uh anyway right that's the begging bit done um well, I think, is that it? I should say that if it's your first time listening, um, welcome. You've missed loads. You just heard me banging on about it. Uh, you've missed 450 episodes. But um, obviously Nico's, um, you know, aside from the acting, is, is the comedy writing is, is, is where it's at. And if you like your comedians, then then go check out the, the, the back catalogue of uh, this episode, the, this podcast, sorry, because I've had James Acaster on, I've had Ed Gamble uh, I've had Tom Davis, Rich Wilson, Jade Adams, Maisie Adam, Reese James. Oh, gosh. Loads. Loads and loads and loads of uh, comedians. Marcus Birdman um, had some real great natters with some some wonderful people. Um, Jim Brister. Oh, that was a wicked chat, that one. Um, yeah. And then, obviously, I've had loads of actors, loads of musicians, loads of DJs and producers. You know, go and have a good old look because there's 450 to get your teeth into. Best thing you can do, subscribe and you won't miss anything. Right, look, I've been waffling on and it ain't even the uh, the episode ain't even started yet. So let's let's get things moving on that. And please enjoy today's Off The Beaten Track with the delightful Nico. It's Off The Beaten Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Nico, how are you? I'm great, thank you very much. Good, thank good, good. Thank you very good. much for having me here. 
They spread it out to pleasure. This is the first face-to-face off the beaten track. I reckon I've done in two years. Wow, really? Like, I think just kind of coming out of lockdown, it's so much easier just to jump on Zoom. And right. But this is this is a yeah. I'm having a big day out. You, well, you've come up from Brighton, haven't you? What a face to start with. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I can only apologise. <laughs> well, it's nice though. We're you know we're having a big day out. Our friend's going to take us out for for a bit of lunch afterwards. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's, it's a nice blue nice. sky. We're in a pretty amazing spot at the moment. I mean, you can't see it. You've got your back to the window, but I can see the shard out this window. It's all it's all quite lovely. Um, I can just see you in a bin. <laughs> Two bits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, look, you've sent your, your, your tracks over. I have. And uh, I've got to say, you've been a bit greedy. I have been greedy. Yeah. Well, because I've put so many. You put about 300 for every answer. Yeah. But I mean, I, didn't I bold the one that was like, really, it's ah, this one? Right. What, what I thought I'd done is I'd oh, highlighted okay. in yellow the top one. Right. Okay. So the top one is the one each time. Yeah. Just so you know. But you allowed honourable mentions. Well, exactly. I heard I heard a few episodes and heard that happening, mm. but I knew I was taking the mick. But I thought I'd yeah. I thought I was. I just I just have too many thoughts in my head at all times. Yeah. Uh, undiagnosed, but probably ADHD in my opinion. Yeah. And it's just too exciting. It was too. Yeah. I didn't realise how much I would love the uh, the challenge of each yeah. of each question. But there we are. So, do you find? Like that, that attention span. Mm. Do you find that that affects your listening pleasure of music? Do you do you flip from sort of track to track, or will you put a, an album on and listen to it in its entirety? Because you know the the, the things like Spotify and such make it so easy just to yeah. pinball over the place it, now. That's definitely that has led where where my listening is. I, I suppose I. So let's, if we just go back to iTunes era, I, I had lots of playlists that I made for the for the ease of whatever I'm into at the moment, right? But I still listened to lots of albums at that point, and probably still even put CDs on while I was yeah. like making my dinner or whatever. Uh, post Spotify, it's just become one or two. Actually, it's really changed things. It's become like one rolling playlist of like bangers, yeah, right. Uh, and a hell of a lot of, especially during pandemic and all that kind of weird, lonely mental health walking time that we all had to have. Yeah. Uh, when I got my, what's it that when they do the wrap up of like what you've listened to in twenty two yeah, or whatever the other it's week? It's the wrap, isn't it? Yeah. It was literally almost exclusively ethereal or classical piano-y, um walking music, like Einardo. Okay. Ludovic, Ludovic, and stuff like that, and yeah. like Olaf. Yeah, no one needs to be Olaf listening to Arnold the and like I was listening to, I was listening to like for hours every day because I also because I'm a writer. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I have music on all day, but it can't have lyrics in it or I can't write, so that probably takes up lots of time. But then as soon as I get in the car or whatever, the tunes go on, or if I'm like wanting to be a bit more upbeat, so that's just been. It's a brilliant playlist. I mean, I love everything on it, but I'm always, I'm always listening to the last sort of five to ten songs, and then it gets added to, and so like the others get shoved down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I obsess on like a handful of songs at a, t- at a time. Yeah, I I had that. I I, I echo what you say there, and and it was, uh, 
Ludovicio, however you yeah. pronounce that Ionardi, name. I think it is. Yeah, J yeah. just through This Is England, right? right yeah, through yeah. watching This right, Is England, yeah. and he'd scored most of that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, we didn't score, but his music was used uh, all over it. So I, I presume Shane Meadows is wandering around Sheffield just doing his walks yeah, throughout well, exactly, and listening yeah. to that. But, um, but I discovered that through, through that, and it's, it's heavy, though, isn't it? It is heavy, but I quite like heavy. Yeah. And I was living, I've m just moved to Brighton, so already I'm more upbeat and listening to more stuff with a beat and yeah. like, ch you know, singing. But I lived in a very remote village for three years and there was incredible scenery around me, but it was a bit bleak and it was a bit of a miserable time. Yeah. And, but that, that isn't like necessarily a wallowing thing. It's just like, I find it soothing. So like going in a lovely landscape, it's kind of cinematic basically, yeah. isn't it? I love that vibe, actually. Yeah. But it's probably healthy for me to give you... This is why it was nice for you to go... It's like you were going, Oi, remember like when you used to be a bit fucking more cheerful? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, you mean like... Oh, shit. Like yeah. music. Like songs. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's start talking about them. So I'm going to ask you, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please, mate. Right, well... Um, you know, looking looking at it, it's like there's two. Right. Right. And I've got to decide on the hop. Okay. Right. And it doesn't mean I actually prefer the song either, but I, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna go what I thought was my second choice because I was listen I was listening to the the list again. I can actually see this is paining you. It is. <laughs> right. So the one I'm gonna go for, just in terms of like what the fuck is going on here, is Chaka Khan, I feel for you. So good. Fucking hell, man. Like, I didn't realise, I mean, it popped into my head quite quickly, so obviously it was in there, and I just thought, as, I, as I've put in my notes, it's actually got two great intros mm -hmm. before the song kicks in, yeah. we, and even the beginning of the song is yeah. a great intro. So it's, it's a lead, not what's the word, it's uh, possibly got three. Mm. You've got the sort of chakakan. Yeah. And you just, like, that's two words, and you're already like, you're off your seat, yeah. and you know what's coming. But it's like it's a little settler. It's basically showing you to your table. Yep. Chaka Khan. And that's just the slow bit. And then yep. it's like the beat kicks in. Chaka Khan. It's all like that. So you're like, right, we're off. But even that, that's just like, that's like you've been shown to your seat and there's your bread roll. Yeah. And then suddenly, what's the... Um, baby, da, baby. Da, 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 yeah. That's like Stevie Wonder quality, solely kind of like... Yep. What is that? Is that is it? Um, is it harmonica? I think there's a few things going on there, yeah. but it's got a sort of a almost yeah. synthy but harmonica sound. And you're like, where's what the fuck? Like it's just yeah. off, but it's not started yet. Yeah. And then it's like brilliant first yeah. first verse, baby, yeah. baby. Are we allowed to? Uh, yeah, I don't think licensing is going to pick up on your take of uh, Shaka Khan, mate. We should because be I know it sounds like the record. <laughs> the but first bit did. Look at you. <laughs> and all that kicks in, and it's like it's brilliant. That's a great so shout, thought, mate. Listen, I, it's not like I am um, a total nerd for sort of like eighties. What would you even call that? Electro hip hop, like yeah. Well, Prince wrote it, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yeah, I only yeah. clocked that last week. Yeah, yeah. And I think. For, like, I don't want to sort of uh, offend you, but I think we're probably not too dissimilar in age. Yes. And... Judging by the beard colours. That's what I was thinking, <laughs> mate. <laughs> but um, the, the excitement of breakdancing... Oh, God. 
and and graffiti yeah. and hip hop was something that you got teeny weeny bits of because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have MTV. It was just if a rap band got on top of the pops or yeah. something like that. And when you heard that scratch at Shaka Khan, yeah. it was like, oh wow, we could we could break dance to this. It was like You're so right. exciting. It would be like a five minute bit on the news. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's like a thing has happened in New York. Yep. Everyone is suddenly moving like robots. And you'd be like, what <laughs> the fuck is that? Move the sofa, buy me a cagoule. <laughs> I remember like asking around, like, how do you maximize the backspin and it was like you've got to wax your jacket and you've got to buy a bit of lino do you remember yeah, that yeah, yeah, remember always, people yeah. carrying around a bit of lino? Oh, the lino always god i loved it and i was lithe then i was a little skinny thing and i could not saying i was an amazing breakdancer yeah. but i could do like four or five moves properly really and was like as soon as it was all in front of relatives you know in my white towel in socks and michael jackson shoes it's like but fucking hell man like it was really exciting, actually, and that's funny because I'm not—I don't consider myself a big hip hop fan. But like I said, when I went, when I was um, stuck there between two options, I'm talking about—you you, know—your question is the entirety of music. Yeah. And I could have gone for hours with yeah. things like Ticket to the Ride, Ticket to Ride, and yeah. No one's ever chose that, and I don't know why. Uh, well, you know, I don't want to ruin it for anyone else. No, so, like, but you know, loads what, of people have chosen the Help and Hard Days Night, but no one has chose. Uh, tickets right, and it's the, the best one. It's yeah, that it's lovely Rickenbacker jangle. But the other one that that uh, when I when I, it came to my head and I played it, I was just like, "Fuck me!" That is straight away. It was Grandmaster Flash, the message again, the same era as, as <coughs> Chaka <coughs> Khan. <coughs> yeah, and you're just like, "What?" Within three seconds, yeah. you know. So clearly, that that era went in, didn't it? On some level, because it was probably. Uh, Era's punk. It was different. Yes. It was scary, and we didn't really know much about it. And I think it was, it was exciting. I think at that point, you know, most young kids in the UK were looking to America for all the cool films and things like yeah. that. It was all a, lots of focus on your ETs and all the Star Wars and stuff like that. And I think then there's this new music coming from there, where everyone looks really fucking cool, and they're doing this mad dancing to this music that sounds like it's being beamed down from outer space. Yeah, it's I like, mean, it was it was the first. I don't like the word, but it was like it was the first kind of like black urban music, yeah, as as it may have been called at yeah. the time, um, to to land in a way that was like because I'd already even as a kid you you already knew about like Motown, yeah, and soul and all that, and loved all that, you know, like basically brilliant songwriting, amazing. Uh, you know, uh, vocals and stuff. Some absolute legends that you grew up listening to, like Marvin Gaye and Otis Redding and everything. But then, like you said, this thing was like, this is just totally doing something different. Yeah. Like, you can't even really say, oh, it feels like an extension of disco or anything like that. Yeah. Like, maybe, I don't know what, no, it would have been, that was before, like, Chicago House, wasn't it? Yeah, I, mean, oh, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, really, yeah. I don't yeah, really know that. Yeah, that was about that more 87, right. 88, yeah. But, yeah, like like you say, it was is like punk because it was just like some people in a place have decided to do a thing, and now the world's going. Yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. and yeah, we we were, if we were around the same age, I guess. What year would you say? Eighty one, eighty two, eighty two, maybe. Like in terms of, you know, like the the very earliest rap. It's like seventy nine ish. But I, I reckon Shaka Khan was more. Eighty. 
before. I reckon that was, yeah. But I yeah. reckon the message may have been. Oh, more, the message yeah. was definitely before that. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 general kind of um, that little explosion was just, you know, just a kid in Manchester. My mum's listening to like Elaine Page, Barbara yeah. Dixon. Sure. To be fair to my mum, she she was really into like Neil Young and the Stones and whatever. Yeah. So like she had some really good records. So that was being played Rod at home. Stewart. That would be on at home, but very much alongside the mum albums like Elkie Brooks yeah. and, you know, uh, Gloria. Oh, no, Gladys Knight and the Pips yeah. and stuff like that. So, the, yeah, I don't know where that came from, but it, it just sort of sprung up through the telly, didn't it? Yeah. It just and like mind-blowing. Right, you would get, like, a snippet on the news and then yeah. you'd get some really... There'd be someone on Blue Peter trying to show you how to do an head spin, and it'd just be <laughs> yeah. all sorts yeah. of pony. It'd be terrible. Yeah, imagine <laughs> being told about like the future of like youth culture by like Nicholas Witchell, <laughs> while while he still had while his hair still went all the way around, <laughs> like a circle. It was <laughs> circular hair. Oh, love. Well, at least that. they told us though. Yeah, you know, yeah. They could have. They could have said, "Let's not tell them about this." Yeah. But yeah, amazing days. All right, so was there any other honourable mentions? Well, I already mentioned, I feel rude taking Ticket to Ride. I hope someone brings that up, so I'll, I'll gloss over that. Okay. Because, like, okay. you, could, you could name a million sure. Beatles songs. Another guitar one that, jump, that jumped out, because, and I love singing this as well, I sort of go out and try and sing for cash sometimes. Yeah. And Wicked Game mm. by Chris Isaac. Just seen that he's just announced uh, a couple of UK dates. Has he? Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't think. Well, I mean, we only really know him for the one song, which mm. is a shame because he's clearly a very talented mm. man. But as a inter, another one, like, that's another one where within two notes, you see in the room who loves that song, and you, I, I, I literally, I'm not saying this from like point of view of me singing it, but because I put it on a little set list of like covers and mm. I make little backing tracks. Uh, as soon as it goes, and yeah. it kicks in, you see like hands around the room go, yes, yeah. like yes, <laughs> like it means, <laughs> like it really means something to people, and it's like it, you don't think of it as a a banger. I always think there are certain songs that live in that mold of like Baker Street, for example, yeah. that you only seem to hear them when you're pissed in a cab at two in the morning, and he's got like magic on, yeah. and you go. Oh my god, this is an absolute banger! So it's, it's the greatest song ever, yeah, ever. Yeah, like, and it's like like Mr. Blue Sky or something yeah. like that. And it's like they're bangers, but they're totally ubiquitous. Mm. Whereas Wicked Game, it just has retained this sort of sort of distance and this yeah. mystique. And because it's in, is it Wild at Heart? Mm-hmm. I mean, my stomach's rumbling. I hope you can't hear that. Um, Wild at Heart. Uh, Laura Dern and Nicolas Cage like I don't think I'd even seen it in context until about three or four years ago I sat and watched mm. the movie and was just like I thought I already loved this song now I yeah. just want I want in fact the whole sensibility of that film yeah. that made me go well with my little music project I'm going to sort of try and like have a bit of that going on Yeah, just he is bang centre like, and, and the modern version now would be have you heard Orville Peck no. Yeah, he's he's interesting. He's like dressed in the whole sort of country, yeah. you know, the country shirt and all that. But he wears like a chainmail mask over his face, right? And he writes like classic, almost like Glenn Campbell, Johnny Ooh. Cash, you know, uh, 
Chris Isaac type songs. It's really, really good stuff. He's worth a look. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm loving that kind of like, I think it's a thing, sort of getting older thing. Yeah. I've been writing songs for decades and never really got anywhere, but I still yeah. love doing it. And it's like, I had to lose the sort of Oasis haircut a while back when a, when a security guard in HMV put his thumbs up and went, Paul Weller. And I just went, when security guards that look like Ralph Wiggum are telling you you look cool, it's time to fucking shake it up a bit. Were you a well-end? <laughs> Not for, well, uh, brief, probably briefly the haircut was quite fucking angular. Yeah. But I was a sort of well-end light for a long time. I was definitely, <laughs> I definitely was trying to get away with looking like sort of gem in Oasis for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, he's the cool one, right? and all that. Yeah. You know, I love it, but... Uh, yeah, there's something about that timeless, sort of slightly country-tinged American yeah. thing that really buzzes me up at the moment. Wicked Games are beauty, mate. It's a beauty. It's an, it's an absolute beauty, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's quite vulnerable. But it just sounds so slick that you're not really that worried about him. You're just yeah. like, no, you're, you're a bit too cool to be... Yeah. But it's, and also, I like, I like a little bit of hurt in a song, you know, yeah. like, as we were discussing... With um, talking about the choice that uh, yeah. Yeah, Danny McNamara when he chose what was it called? I want you. I want you by Elvis Costello, which I'd never heard till last night, and has blown me away. I love a song that's got a little bit of uh, not nastiness is the wrong word, but just a bit of a bit of lashing out, a gentle yeah. lashing out. Yeah. At, at the well, when you when if you're writing a song and you're doing that, you're doing that. You're not doing that to hurt a person. You're you're, you're effectively punching your pillows. Yeah. And Wicked Games got a bit of that about it, I think. Absolutely. Have you ever thought of sort of embodying when you do your your live shows and, and, and perform that? Have you ever thought about maybe making your sort of stage entrance similar to when Nick Cage was promoting um, Wild at Heart? Have you seen his his, his entrance onto Wogan? I've not. Well, go on. Oh my God! When this finishes, I will show you. It's right. the most. It's the best advert for cocaine you've ever seen. <laughs> Does he come uh, on like whooping and cheering? Yeah, like? kung fu kicks, <laughs> yes, I have uh, seen and that. then throws money at the crowd. It's <laughs> so amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I ain't got the money to do that, but I mean, yeah, the sentiment, the sentiment is nice. That's up there with. Did you ever see uh, Peter? Not Peter Cook. Who is it that went on Letterman and entered on a horse? Like one of the classic Hellraiser actors. Uh, he just walks on smoking a cigarette on a horse. Richard Harris? Not Richard Harris. Oh, God, who is it? Ollie Reid? Not Ollie Reid. He'd have broken a horse. Yeah. Uh, oh, I forget his name. We'll get there. I'm sure it's Peter. Uh, the, other, the other big Peter. O'Toole. But, uh, Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Just elegant as you like, but on a horse. And the audience Love are that. falling about. Oh, he's deadpan. Love that. Just like I belong here. So funny. <laughs> I had a story a little while ago where, where, where I sort of live is, is it's a bit rough and uh, and there's, there's a few sort of naughty people like there are in any town and uh, and a friend of mine got into a bit of a, a to-do with one of them and, and he said he's going to come round and you need to pay up oh dear. and it was like oh this is this is weird mm-hmm. and uh, a sort of word, word got around that he, he was coming round and, and this this local gangster uh, did turn up on his front door on a horse. Fucking <laughs> 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 point, mate. That's quite old school, isn't it? Yeah, that is old school. Turn up like Dick Turpin. Oh. <laughs> I'd just be worried that you're trying to carry that off, 
what you then need is to get there and they've got like a hedge so there's nowhere to tie up the horse and then you're like <laughs> right hang on where where can I park and it's like well there's a fence around there so it's like right yeah. and he's got to like clop off around the corner that's what would happen <laughs> yeah. if I if I tried to do that you've got to, you've got to be sure of yourself to yeah turn up. yeah oh it's, it's, a, it's quite a move um I'm going to take you back to track two and ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please yeah this is a lovely memory um, I've gone, I'm just going to go straight into it. I already knew that songs had emotion involved because my mum used to sit singing along to like Barbara Streisand and all that and she'd be recording it. It's like, like her voice, but she never did anything with it. So I was like, oh, songs are about emotions. Like she was like, uh, you know, my dad had gone and whatever and I could see that ballads and songs had meaning and were a way of processing. I'd already seen that. And then Your dad sing- had gone as in gone yeah, to yeah. work or no, 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 left. No, they, right. you know, my, my dad was out of the picture from right. about two-ish. Okay. Um, and my mum just, you know, did mum ballads, sat on the floor for a couple of years. <laughs> Nothing and wrong with just that. Just recording them. Yeah, but I'd, I'd love to hear that because the amazing. voice was good. Yeah. But she, but as someone that's been doing music and writing songs forever, that was like that became like a hobby, and you go off and find people to do it with. Whereas, I think to her, it's very private. Yeah. Right? Although I've just told the world. But um, so anyway, I, I kind of got what that was about. And then a song came out and it was a cover version. I don't know who did the original. We could clock, clock that in a sec. But it was, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And it was probably, I think it was about 1981. And the, 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 the artists were called Dave Stewart and Barbara Gaskin. Mm-hmm. But Dave Stewart is not Eurythmics Dave Stewart. I think it's David A. Stewart. Right, okay. From this one, I think. Right. It's, yeah, it's not the Dave Stewart. And I could not have told you if you'd have said, if that song came on, I'd go, oh my God, this has taken me straight back yeah. to being however old I was, six or something. Um, but I remember the song really well. And I also didn't know whether I was remembering correctly that there was a sort of... Uh, my early Top of the Pops memories feature imagery that you think is brilliant pop star imagery, but is also slightly frightening because you don't know what anything is yet. Yeah. And what would live in that category would be Sparks, yeah. which I didn't, didn't have a clue what was going on, yeah. but I wanted I them to be on again. I still don't know what's going on. No, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sparks, and then uh, to a certain degree, sort of like the way Kate Bush carried herself Absolutely. was a bit scary. Didn't know what was going on there. And then, so yeah, this this song comes out. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. And I think I, I sort of got the concept that it was like a, if you like, a Phil Spectory. It sounded like, ba- you know, Be My Baby and all yeah. them songs. But for some reason, the video's almost got like a character in it that is reminding you of the, the Smash Mash robots yeah. of the adverts. And there's just something... A bit, bla- not that I knew it then, a bit Blade Runner and a bit, yeah. I mean, it's probably before Blade Runner, but there was just something a bit kind of like space opera yeah. going on in, and like slightly scary sci-fi, yeah. but with a song that sounds like it's sort of from the 50s, so you've sort of already heard somewhere, you've heard rock and roll, like if yeah. you're a kid in the 80s, things like Buddy Holly and Little yeah. Richard, whatever, would have been on the radio all the time, yeah. so this classic, boom, 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 one of them sort of beats, you know. Nobody knows where my journey has yeah. gone. But it's with synth. Yeah. So that, that I remember hearing it, and I was worried about the woman who was singing. 
because she was saying, you know, it's my party. I yeah. knew what a birthday party was. She got to loads of them when you're five. I was like yeah. proper popular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Magician, paper plates, you name it. I was so good at hey. musical chairs. Oh, just I was like so good. Being ex, you know, being invited to someone's house and the people you know usually in school uniforms are all in their civvies. Yeah. And there's just music going off and yeah. everyone running around chairs. It's Occasionally they would be like... Absolutely bananas. Right. Like, if you got to the right party, if you got invited to one with like, where the like, mum and dad had a couple of quid, yeah, it oh, might yeah. be a soda stream, but it'd definitely be. Oh, God. You wouldn't just have like shit like party rings. Yeah, You'd yeah. have the, remember the Cadbury's animals? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. If they were there, yeah. you was bossing a party. Absolutely. And um, I mean, it really was the era of uh, sausage and pineapple on a stick and all that, wasn't it? Or ham and pineapple or Absolutely. whatever it was. Absolutely. But yeah, basically. So, like, when I heard that song, someone says, at that age, someone says, it's my party, and I cry if I want to. You think of a birthday party, because yeah. you've not yet started hanging out in Ibiza. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. So, I'm, I'm, like, going, oh, dear, this poor person. Yeah. And then, like, later in the song, she basically announces that she, at this party, the person she loves has walked in with someone else. Yeah. Julian Johnny just walked... I've gone too low there. Julian Johnny <laughs> just walked through the door yeah. like a queen and a king. Yeah. Oh, what a birthday surprise. Yeah. Julie's wearing his ring. And I was fucking gutted for Such them. Such a tune, though. I was just like, this, why is this happening? Yeah. And actually, when, I th- when you think about it, we subconsciously there... I already know that my mum's sort of like not in a marriage anymore. Right. And... Someone's the ring I knew meant marriage, so like just remembering what my little six year old head was doing there, yeah, it was kind of getting it. Shit, this is this is the musical version of how that feels, yeah. so maybe I really empathize with it without yeah. realizing it on a, on a really deep level. And um, so the memory, the other memory that's tied to it is that then I have a birthday party at our little house in Manchester, a little Presswich, our little house, and like any child having a party in their house, something happens. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
in that space of what is probably like two hours of your life where either you hurt your knee or someone pushes someone over or someone argues or they do something you don't want to do and I burst into tears and didn't want the party anymore and wanted everyone to go home. So I was now crying at my party and then my mum put the song on on the record player. (laughs) What a move. It's my party. And it it worked. I think it worked. My memory is that it worked. I was probably a bit like, fucking turn it in, love. Yeah. (laughs) You made your point. But... My memory of that song is tied to that memory of me yeah. literally crying at my own birthday party. And it's a brilliant memory. It's a brilliant song. Yeah. And it, it's like, am I right in saying, I've not heard it for quite a while, does it go a little psychedelic mid-late? Yeah. Yeah. It does. It goes, but it goes a bit off on one. Yeah. It's, like, it's such, I mean, it's very Shangri-La's, isn't it? And it's, yeah. you can tell it's from that, that era. I can't think who does the original. Um, Nothing about it says song that a six-year-old should process divorce through (laughs) (laughs) absolutely (laughs) forever but my my, my big memory attached to that is of the original is it's used in the young ones and i think it's when they have the the young ones the tv show the comedy show and i I think when they have a party oh wow it's another one then and it's like and it's just i remember when uh, the amount of songs that were in the background in in episodes of young ones just things that were like i guess the young ones was very much like hip-hop it was different it was exciting and, and and punk and and all of the songs from that are etched in my head and as soon as yeah. you said that i thought my first really? memory was, was was that the party the where ones. vivian does his show, shows does his, <laughs> does his shagging press-ups and again that was like i i don't know what this is yet but i reckon that's that thing yeah you know that must be i think what he means is there is whatever that is yeah and he didn't even have a word for it at that age but Completely. it was like Vivian, slapstick, <laughs> bomb in the air. That was hilarious. <laughs> French and Saunders are in that, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Who, who is it that, that did a live performance in that episode? Do you reckon it's maybe Captain Sensible? The Damned done it with... Or The Damned? Yeah, The Damned done... I can't think what track they done. But that was... That was uh, from what I gather, the, the only reason they would get that TV show commissioned... Mm was if they had music in it. So it was like the entertainment budget. Yeah. And, and so Welcome that's, to my life, mate. That's, and, uh, that's what TV pitching's <laughs> all about. Which is mad when you think, like... You know, I think Madness were on it twice, and, like... Squeeze were on it. And, uh... Obviously, Motorhead. Motorhead. I mean, that... Was that I mean, how mad is that? In the middle of it that... It was brilliant. Like, the, the Ace of Spades is being played as, as Vivian's shoving a whole donut in his mouth at a train station. I mean, there's, there's still nothing like it. It's nothing as nothing in this country in comedy has had that anarchic... Perf- it was just perfect. Yeah. And I didn't know what students were. Yeah. But I, I didn't was know what there. was going on. I watched it with my grand once. My mum went out. My grand came around to look after me. and said, can, my mum's like, let him watch the young ones. And she just sat there going, what, what is this? Yeah. You know, like 70-odd-year-old... Yeah, woman that grew up on the canals in <laughs> of Manchester, and and I'm going, what's a student now, Gran? And she's like, I don't know, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful! All right, well, look, let's let's keep it in uh, those formative years, and I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Right. Well, let's have a look. My first one at school. Oh yeah. Oh, this is interesting. How many did you have for this one? 
Well, I deleted some, but the, on the document you got, there's three. Okay, we can talk about the honourable mentions. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Just to give you context, I mean, obviously when you say school... Yeah, it's a long I time. Mean, school is the whole of school, but I, I took it to mean effectively sort of you're in between as years yeah, as, yeah. as you would you know you know as you might put it the kind of like thin tie trying to be cool getting into music people writing band names on their bags and yeah. whatever starting to all fancy each other all that yeah. sort of stuff so we went on a we went on um where was this in manchester in manchester yeah went to a school called parswood in didsbury in manchester it was a pretty bog standard comprehensive made out of bits of concrete and asbestos um, not seen as a bad school, but it was pretty rough around the edges and very bog standard. But I'd, I, I look back on it really fondly. I'd, I just had an absolute ball because I didn't take anything seriously. I wasn't yeah. doing anything I should have been doing. Yeah. But I also wasn't like a bad kid. Yeah. And I made enough people laugh to not be worried about getting my head kicked in too yeah. much. Anyway, so we all went on this. Uh, the only thing I was interested in was art. The, art. the art teacher took a load of us when we were about 14... I can't believe they got away with this. They took us to Amsterdam on an art trip, right? <laughs> now, by that age, people are already smoking weed. A few people are sort of starting... This is a bit of a, a weird area, but people are boyfriend and girlfriend and, yeah. like, what, getting up to mischief. And So we're getting taken by, like, three or four, like, cool art teachers who I just adored anyway. Loved the reason we were going was art, but it was the first time being away in a sort of hotel hostel that's got MTV in a sort of lounge area oh, near the reception. And we were allowed to be there to sort of hang out after we'd had our, like, you know, canteen sort of dinner. Yeah. And you, you just cannot believe that you are in another country yeah. as a teenager, basically nicking... There was, there was, it, was Amsterdam, it was Amsterdam, so there was fucking beer in, in what do you call it, in a, in a drinks machine. Yeah. So you could buy fucking beer, which none of us really like drinking yet, but yeah. you were just going to get pissed on one can. N nipping out for a crafty fag. Someone had managed to buy some weed from a cafe. And, you know, socks on the smoke alarms. Fucking it. carnage. It was just the best few days ever. And the song that was on repeat on, um, on MTV was Buffalo Stands by Nena Cherry. And we were just fucking going mental. And... Uh, I think it was pre, trying to think when, uh, do you remember that there was like a period where on, you got home from school on a Monday and basically Normski, well, I don't know what that program was called. Rapido. Rapido was on and then the Fresh Prince. Yeah. And it feels like that era was Soul to Soul happened, Acid House was happening but we weren't going to clubs yet. But the sort of pop end of that, people, you know, bright coloured um, Dancers in cycling shorts on, on pop videos, yeah. S Express, all that. It was like the sort of pop end of, of an acid house mm. soul clubbing thing. And it was ace. There's loads of energy in it. And Buffalo Stance was just an absolute tune. And we all thought she was amazing, which she, she still is. She's that, that, just so fucking cool, Nana Cherry. So cool. Even her name yeah. is just like, yeah. Nana Cherry will never be your girlfriend. Just respect bow bow at the the gates yep. of nana cherry who did not she would never ever for one second had to stop wearing that bum bag and it would never have stopped looking yep. cool she well she famously had that bum bag in that cat suit 
with her pregnant belly singing Manchild on top of the pops. And exactly. there was outrage that this, you know, this woman right, would yeah. you know, be as brazen as to have a pregnant Amazing. belly on top of the pops. She was just bad. She is badass. She's exactly so fucking word. cool. Exactly the but word. Where was she from? Was she American? So her it's dad like she was, was London American. It yeah, it was, like. it was a weird one. Her, her dad was Don Cherry, um, the, 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 the jazz musician. And she ended up joining, we talk about the, the young ones, there was uh, a band on there called Rip Rig and Panic. And, and she, was, she was part of that for a while, if, if memory serves me well. And then I watched the, a documentary about the Slits. And, uh, and she was very, very young and went on tour with them when she was like 15. Wow. And I think... Her stepbrother was Eagle Eyed Cherry. That, oh, right. Uh, and yeah, there's a right. big, big musical so heritage in, in, in the family. And her daughter was obviously Mabel, the, the big oh, pop right. superstar. Right, okay. Uh, no, I've missed that. So, right, yeah, well, I am knocking yeah. on a bit, mate. Right. Don't really do pop stars <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I worry about them. They say, oh, well, that's a nice one. This seems like a nice lad. Who's this Stormzy? What's his name? Is he called Michael? <laughs> I basically, disco- not that I didn't discover Stormzy this way, because I hadn't really been listening to him, mm. but I watched the Louis Theroux thing and was yeah. just like, what a lovely boy. Yeah. And I went and found him, and now I'm like really like enjoying his stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'm you know, quite happy to admit that pop, pop stardom sort of goes, I, I don't know what the names are anymore. Yeah. don't know what any of it is. You got no place in knowing. You, you slide. No, we, no, it's we, not we, my we, job, is yeah, it? Yeah, no. We, we we've done that. We've ticked the box. We had Nana Cherry. Yeah, exactly. Job done. Yeah, but yeah, back in back in the in the same era, there's another memory that was tied to it. Probably the same. Nana Cherry would have been on this night. But I remember one particular night going with my mates on a bus to Altrincham Ice Rink, and it was like, that was good. It was like, right, we can't go out clubbing yet. But if you go ice skating, you basically Right, you're eating hot dogs and drinking Coca-Cola, but you're out and there's tunes on and yeah. you're like fancying each other and all yeah. that again. So, uh, altering a mice ring, we're going round and round there. And it hit me while, while it was on, what an amazing tune it was. And the video was on in a massive screen as well. And it was Pump Up the Volume mm. by Mars. What a tune. Which was, it hung around for months in the charts and it got a bit like, all right. It goes on for ages. Yeah. There's, there's sort of no singing in it, yeah. and people wanted it to go away. But looking back, it was just like, again, that felt like something being reinvented. Yeah, completely. The whole genre being born. Completely. And uh, that song, it's almost like a show in itself with different acts coming on. Yeah. Just where it would go, like yeah. suddenly you get like a few bars of like I don't even know what the sound was, like a, a firework being put through a filter of yeah. or whatever just bananas yeah it was it was sampling used fantastically wasn't it yeah. and and i think there was such a shift in electronic music at that point in in like you said you touched on acid ass and um, and what was happening in you know in in, in sort of with the chicago house scene the late 80s and, and obviously the evolution of sampling being used in hip-hop and stuff like that it was like it just was a re- it, it, it's really strange when people talk about one of the sort of I wish I grew up in the 60s I wish I grew up like you know, got, you yes. know in the 70s it's like man I wouldn't change shit Do you know what I, like, yeah, I always thought right into the 90s give me a time machine I'm just straight into Carnaby Street really my purple flares and you know whatever like just trying to soak up that be there yeah. when you know you want to be in that crowd in blow up where the yardbirds yeah. are playing and all that right but you're right actually I now 
I actually really appreciate, I think because I did a lot of, right, I'm a lad and I'm into guitar music. Yeah. Totally did that for like 20 years. And now I'm going, holy shit. Like not just this sort of like clubby stuff, but kind of quite wet synth pop music now is blowing me away that, I, that I'd uh, ignored all those years. What sort of stuff? Well, we could, we've, we've got one a bit later on. Okay. But, but yeah, you know, like, you know, even something like bloody Howard Jones or something like that, I can't kind of go, that's actually really good. Nick Kershaw, you know, stuff that was like literally, it was like at school, it was like, oh, the girls are all liking that thing. So just say you don't like it and turn your nose up at it and take the piss out of them because you're into like the jam or whatever. Yeah. Right. But then you go back and you go, shit, it's proper songwriting. That's amazing songwriting. Amazing songwriting. So I'm really loving the nostalgia for, yeah, yeah. the 80s upbringing. I went to a, a, a nostalgic, like, my, my best mate's a, 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 a writer and comedian called Cunt and the Gang. <laughs> and uh, and we, we've, we've grown up together since we were tiny and, uh, and we're both obsessed with that synth pop. And, uh, and he turned 50 last year and, and we, we went to one of these 80s nostalgia festivals in Ipswich in a park and <coughs> we got to see Howard Jones and we got to see Nick right, Kershaw yeah, because great. we was huge fans of him growing up, yeah. both of them. And you don't realise how many like good songs that yeah. these artists have got and there's yeah. a reason why they were so big yeah. back then. And Kershaw, yeah. like, as much as The Riddle and Wouldn't It Be Nice and yeah. uh, Wouldn't It Be Good Even and mm. One of the Sun Go Down On Me, he wrote... Uh, the one and only for Chesney Hawks as well. Right, right. So, yeah. like, I'm sure he's not struggling with a mortgage, but uh, yeah. he was great, as was as was Howard Jones. And I think that era of, of kind of synth pop, personally, like, a little bit after that, the, the kind of around the time of maybe mm. Maynard Cherry and that, the stuff that was happening on Mute Records, like Erasure and the Pet Shop Boys, not the Pet Shop Boys on there, but Erasure, Pet Shop Boys, Depeche Mode. Mm. That's my absolute go-to music at that point it yeah. was just well, it's funny because it's like it, it strikes me looking back and through learning that and becoming a teenager and like fitting in with your mates and all that that it was much more tribal then so it was like proper music is like guitars and it's jangly and it's got a bit of attitude and other stuff you'd be sort of doing it down like um like it's a bit wet or whatever yeah um so especially growing up in Manchester, by the time of 15, that's when, and I had mates who were well ahead of me. I remember a couple of mates who snuck out of school to go to Blackpool to see the Stone Roses do the ballroom yeah. gig in Blackpool and come back the, like, the next day in the English lesson. Yeah. And you're like, wow. What I, you just knew that what they'd done there was like they made sure they were at a thing. Yeah. And it's turned out to be like a legendary yeah. moment in like, what is probably, even though I very rarely listen to any of that music at the moment, because I did it to death. Yeah. The Stone Roses were like the bang center of being a Manchester kid of at course. that age, right? Baggy clothes and all that suddenly crept up. Not just in Manchester, mate. Well, no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we, right? Essex, we, we, Essex we was really same. went for it. Mate. Essex really went for it. I've got a very good mate who have done music with a lit on and off for years. And he got me back into the music of my own town when he met, came up to uni because I was yeah. like just going out and going to clubs and getting pissed then. Yeah. And he was like, "Come round my house and we'll, you know, be playing like he'd been learning Stone Roses tunes and that." But that's two years ago now. And he was like, "No, no, no, this is fucking, this is a keeper, man. This stuff's important." And yeah. he got me 
playing the guitar and singing. Oh, um, right. But when I think back to the Stone Roses explosion, it was hugely about them above anyone else, really. But we also suddenly had, you know, you went to a record shop, at, you know, Piccadilly Records or, or Affleck's Palace on a Saturday was what everyone was doing to buy you the latest baggy hooded top. And everyone was, basically the law was you had to be into the Inspirals, the Mondays and the Stone Roses and a handful of other bands like Northside and uh, I never I never really saw them at some pure essence and a few other people like that. And James actually were, were mm. genuinely big, but they were, they were never really part of the same sensibility it's a bit more. It was a bit more studenty, bit more hippie, maybe. They 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 tagged up with with Brian Eno, really, didn't they? And yeah. they, they ended up making, I guess, more. I don't know what you'd call it. It was closer to you two than it was. It was, yeah. Like, but uh, they really loved. Like, people loved them. Mate, it, like, was, it was the only band that Manchester lads and students would all be. Yeah. Right, we're all going to sit down when he sings. Sit down, right? Yeah. Whereas usually, like, as as uh, made famous by like Paul Calf. Like if you're into like lads, local lad stuff, you didn't want to like, yeah. Like the, the the sort of another crossover would be the Smiths actually. Yeah. But anything that was on the mon- a Monday night at the Ritz, which was more likely to be in the Jane's Addiction, the Cure kind of like black clothes, scruffy hair vibes, was different from the sort of casual, yeah, baggy, clubby, footbally lads. Yeah. And, um, so James were like straddling that, but. And the Smiths would straddle that. New Order would straddle that. It was just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Because they, yeah, because when this, when when the Joy Division stopped and then they took it into New Order, it went. That that was like a bridge, wasn't it? Yeah. But uh, when I think, when well, the third song that I had down, when I first started realizing something really fucking good and different was happening, um, someone did me a tape with a load of Happy Mondays on it. And the one that jumps out is Rope for Luck by the Happy Mondays. The original or the Vince Clark mix? I just guess I don't know. I guess I guess uh, to start with, the, if the original was on, the, on, was it on Bummed? Or yeah. it was on either Bummed or Squirreled in the G-Man. Yeah. And it was like, something's happening here. And then quite soon after that, it's like things are getting remixed and yeah. EPs are coming out. And then, then I started buying, briefly, I'm not very a vinyl collector, yeah. but I did buy some quite cool records. Yeah for about a year when all that was big. There was a lot of cool records coming out then. There was. It was like, whoever you are, you have to go and buy these records. This is happening here and we have to go and do it. So yeah. Saturday has to be go and buy Ravon EP. Yeah. And otherwise you're basically not joining in with what was happening. Yeah. And then I have got a brilliant claim to fame that on my 16th birthday... There was a, my mum ran a pub in Charlton in Manchester and there's a, a bloke who worked there and at that point this geezer is an Irish bloke and his daughter was, was Sean Ryder's girlfriend and what had already happened is that he came into work one day and said I've got you a, a rough cut of the new Happy Mondays video so my mates all came round and we watched uh, as yet unedited with all the like time codes on the screen video for Step On Fuck. ahead of release wow right and then on my birthday it was a Sunday right pubs used to shut between th- 3 and 7 and I used to go out because the car park was empty and kick a ball against the wall so at 5 to 7 Jerry turns up to do his shift Sean Ryder jumps out of the car with a with a signed 12 inch copy of Step On which has not been released yet 
that he's signed and written for me. It says, happy birthday from Sean, Willie and the boys. And he gives me, he gives me a birthday present that says, happy birthday. My mum comes out waving and takes a picture. Wow. For my 16th birthday. Mate. How, I mean, every time I tell that story, I can't believe I'm telling it. That's insane. It's insane. And I took it to school the next day and showed everyone. And the funny bit of the story is that uh, I don't know why, but I had just grown, like I've had, I'd had my hair cut and I had the classic Manchester curtains. Yep. And like two days before I got my hair cut and I had a little side part in and I didn't look like a Mondays <laughs> fan. And I was mortified, but obviously also like just buzzing. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, for, amazing. For younger listeners, like, it's important to stress at that point, yeah. he was cooler than Elvis, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I mean, because they were so naughty and, like, yeah. like, like, lived in. And, like, you knew that we weren't caning it yet. We didn't know really how to do yeah. that. But we knew that they were, like, in the same way as, like, the, the Smiths. Not the Smiths, the Who or, or, like, the Sex Pistols or something. They were, like, dangerous. Yeah. And he was... He, 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 uh, when I got my picture taken, his girlfriend took the picture and he, he said something very Mancunian and sexist and we all laughed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Well, look, we're talking about buying records. Tell me the first yeah. record you remember buying from a record shop. Right, this is funny because it makes me sound way... All of this is making me sound way cooler than I am. Right. I'm just going to admit, I did years of not buying any music and I'd be like liking things like um, Boys to Men... <laughs> And um, just like loads of Michael Jackson and just like just totally having lame kid John Menzies buy a really lame record to yeah. pow. You know, like whatever. Just like I've got a lot of sins in there. Yeah. But for whatever reason, you know, like we said before, it was like really early on. It's like listening to like Shangri-Las and whatever else. I fell in love with Sham 69. Yeah. Right. So there's a there's a song called When the Kids Are United, which is a classic little punk ditty, and I got my mum to buy it for me. We went to a little record shop and we bought that. And uh, I remember the same era. Definitely bought a few Status Quo records yeah. as well. There was just something about that immediate yeah. guitar, and that's where that that love came from. Even like yeah. right into being a huge Oasis fan. Yeah. That was basically like a better Status Quo happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say better. I'm not knocking Status Quo. Still think like um, down down tune, mate. Unbelievable tune, but uh, when the kids are united, it was the fact that they they did a little bit of banter together. All right, mate. All right, how you doing? Bang bang, yeah. and it kicks in, and then at the end it goes united. Yeah, and like my my cousin who I idolised, he was a United fan and was yeah. telling me I had to like United. Yeah, so I was like probably trying to like show him like yeah, but have you bought that? I've bought that. Yeah. I'm only like six or something. <laughs> but it's, it's such a good song, and it's, yeah. and it's a right kind of rebel rousing court of arms, yeah. isn't it? We're kids. Yeah. Are you like it? It's very, so early 80s kind of, yeah, like communal. It's very gangy in a way, isn't it? Yeah, and you could see why, you know, the, 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 the football terraces loved a bit of Sham yeah. 69. It's, it's tailor made to be chanted, isn't it? Yeah. That we're going down the pub, they're, they're all just like big. Stonking, mm. I, I guess it's it was I don't know, it come in the era of post punk, but it, I don't know what you'd call that. It was I guess it was just punk rock, wasn't it? It yeah. was like 
Certainly, some of the FU, if you know, like later bought, um, you know, didn't like I don't deep dive, but I pr- think I bought a Sham 69 compilation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Obviously, it's all of a similar vein, but yeah, they, uh, they stuck to their formula yeah. like, brilliantly, like a little bit like the Buzzcocks or whatever, yeah. you know, like, which, again, they're in the same vein. You're really proud. Of, uh, but between between fifteen and sort of twenty five, you were just going, "Fucking hell, we've done all right up here, haven't we?" For, yeah. for bands, you know. And I really took that on as a music fan and as someone then wanting to learn music. But one of the things that can happen a bit is that you then think that the whole world revolves only around the Manchester bands. And I yeah. definitely was not knocking it, but I was guilty of that. Yeah. You know, buttons, but buttoned up coats, walking like a knobhead. You know, got a, I did a, a little bit too, got a little leaned into that a little yeah. bit too much, and you know, and I like that I've kind of like broadened that now. But, but it was fucking fun. But it's 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 easy to get caught up and yeah. lost in 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 that music, you know, it's from just influences, from, isn't it? Because, arguably, you're talking Joy Division and the Smiths mm. and New Order mm. and the Roses. Yeah, like, they're big, aren't they? Like, if yeah, you can't really put into words the impact that them artists have had mm. on, on just modern like pop culture and on mu- on the musical landscape. Like, but it's the fact that, especially with the Roses, and obviously Oasis turned it into a fine art with almost like a comedy act. But it was like normal lads that you heard. Do you know that they they stand on the Stretford end and all that? Like, so they if we go to the football, we might see them, and they're just like jumping up and down and singing daft songs and getting pissed like we are, but they're capable of doing something that good, that means that having a creative hobby is like it's highly fucking advisable yeah. as a cool thing to do. And it's working class. It's absolutely, like, that's what I mean. Like, it isn't like the fine arts, which I was already kind of loving, but yeah. kind of was a bit intimidated by, like, getting into, like, art college and you'd hear someone like, you would hear someone like uh, Morrissey talking about literature and art. So that was like, cool, it's all right to like that. But you also just didn't really see him as working class, even though he was. Yeah. Because he was basically so avant-garde and bohemian that they, he belonged with students, in my yeah. head. But the Stone Roses were lads that went to the football. And then Ian Brown's writing Bye Bye Badman about the, about the Paris riots. And you're learning that lads can care about things yeah was that mind-blowing yeah absolutely absolutely well we're talking 89 and we're talking manchester i mean there couldn't have been anywhere better on the planet to have gone clubbing right yeah not and i looked i look like about nine i look like fred from the the wonder years (laughs) so i can't i can't claim that i was in there in 1990 yeah but within Basically, 91, 92, it's fake ID. Youth Hostel Association, fake ID. Yeah. I was making 
my mum lived in, we ran a pub, my, well, we ran a pub, my mum and my stepdad ran a pub, and they had a thing called proof of age card. Yep. Stupidly, they put a, a full size, actual size picture of the fruit proof of age pod, card on the front of the application form for a proof of age card. So I, I, I made a load of fake ones that we sort of laminated and put people's photos on and knock, knocked them out at school. Sweet. So I was called Pete West. <laughs> 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 I had, a, I had, I had, fa- I had in my wallet, right? I had, a, I had a fake bus pass that made me younger, so he didn't have to pay. You did, or Pete did? Listen, Pete doesn't exist. You, right. never, you never saw me, right? <laughs> in, in, in this wallet, I was carrying around. A f- I think it was Pete West, but young. Fucking Pete West. <laughs> Right, so I was like 13 in that section of my wallet, right. so it's 10p on the bus or whatever it yeah. was. And then I had, I had, so Pete West was had youth hostel and fake proof of age card. Yeah. I think it was 17, but I looked so young I yeah. needed the fake ID. So Pete West was like two years older, right? And then I had, I also had a, a, a fake Man United junior membership, so it was still like three quid. Yeah. You know, so we're going to watch United, like when they bought, first bought like Cantona and we've got yeah. like, you know, all the amazing players that we had when we first started being good. So I've basically got three identities, like fucking Jason Bourne. Fucking Howard Marks. In my, in my little baggy, <laughs> baggy jogging bottoms and bum bag. It's fucking hilarious <laughs> thinking about it now. But yeah, the first times getting in a club, Pete West was, was getting through the door with his fake ID and I'd say it's about 91 earliest uh, and even the first time I remember going, there's a club called The Limit, which people in Manchester will remember as being very easy to get served in underage. We all knew we should have been in the Hacienda, but we were the kids and we weren't going to get in, right? Because yeah. you were too young or just not, maybe you didn't have the confidence to be part of that scene or whatever, but The Limit was pretty fun. And um, it was an indie room and a clubbing room, and it was it was banging in there just the first time in there drinking perno fucking lager and black nice. and then honking in the toilets and I remember some kid walking past me and went hey yeah fucking 18 like sarcastically and I was like someone knows that I'm not 18 it's like I must have looked about fucking been 12 yeah. it's hilarious but um, there was a lot of by then it's like that indie dance crossover was happening so you'd have like you would have like probably by then like step on was the number one yeah, floor yeah. filler, but there was a lot of like stereo MCs, EMF, all of those like unbelievable. Those were like huge. Mm. But then you'd also get a good twenty minutes, half an hour, where the, the DJ'd slap on a load of hip hop, and I guess anywhere in between Public Enemy, uh, probably still a bit of Run DMC and all that. But the one that used to I think specifically in Manchester, massively, just the whole place would go nuts for young MC know-how. Such a tune. What a tune. Yeah. What a tune. And obviously there was a lot of like breakbeat. Do you remember like even like some quite lame bandwagony pop songs would, would lean into that? Yeah. Yeah. It was that used just, on everything. Yeah, yeah. it was like used on everything. They're like Candy Flip. Yeah. Weird little um, cover version of Strawberry Fields. Great. Right. Yeah. And so, but... To the point where yeah. that kid's French crop 
from yeah. Candy Fib. Oh, yeah. where, where I grew up, like, if you wanted to have that, you, you, went, you didn't have a French cup, you went and asked for a Candy Flip. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. You know, like all that loud T-shirts and... It was, it was like, it was bleeding over into clubbing. I never got into clubbing, but that's where we were all going. So, so you know, you de- I definitely joined in with the sort of early rave years, not early rave yeah. years, but the mainstream rave years of things like Rosala and yeah, all, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. all that. Um, but if I was out, nothing would get me more excited than going on the, the dance floor to, to know how. And to this day, I, I, every time I hear that song, I am trying to stay on the tightrope of rapping along to it, and I'm pretty good. I can do it, but then there's like there's bits that are a bit foggy where I don't really know what the words yeah. are, and you sort of wobble a bit and fall off. Yeah. But oh god, I love that tune, the beat, and also I think I, I don't know if I put it in my notes, but uh, embarrassingly, would be really going for it on the dance steps when that's on. That's when. Running full, man. the chicken and the running man and then all that is coming out and you're like throwing some moves yeah. whilst rapping and it's like you're a skinny sort of boy child yeah uh, skinny little white boy on the dance floor trying to look like I think I'd seen uh, on a video I'd seen Leroy from the Prodigy dancing and yeah. I was just like I want to be him yeah uh, and that was as close as I could get so uh, off we went Tonight, Pete West is going to be Leroy Thornhill. <laughs> Tonight, yeah. Nikola Tatarovic is going to be Pete West or whoever else it was in his wallet being Leroy from, yeah, unbelievable. The arrogance, you know what I mean? Oh, like, I love it. Cocky as fuck. But it was, it was a good time for, for music. I don't want to kind of, you know, end up going in sort of granddad territory, but it was, it was a good time for for music to cross over as well, because you, you, you mentioned things like Rosala and, mm. and what was going on in kind of like, I guess kind of mainstream dance music. Yeah. But then, you know, you, you talk about Young MC and and, mm. and and what was going on in hip hop then. And and I guess in 92, you were starting to see maybe the Roses and the Mondays had kind of peaked. Yeah. And you were seeing that, that next yeah. generation of music moving over into what we called the Grebo scene, which was... right. Uh, EMF, Jesus right. Jones, Wonder Stuff, Pop Elite oh, Yourself, and Wonder Stuff all well. of them bands. And it's like, but it, it, to me, it felt very. It felt like we we were all on board with this thing that, it, like, unity was a bit of a word. Mm. That um, I felt like everything got very mixed in terms of you know, like you you have separate genres and everything, but it felt really mixed and eclectic. And I think we felt like we'd cured racism and it had sort of yeah. gone. And it was just like old people who were like Ted Bovis that were still racist and yeah. that thought that birds shouldn't drink pints and were yeah. like really... And we just honestly, genuinely believed. But that was part of the spirit of the times as well. You had the Berlin Wall come down. You had Mandela getting freed. And there were like mixed bills of concerts about anti-racism, yeah. like with white bands saying fuck all that Mm -hmm. and it honestly felt like we'd changed the world that's like going into the 90s with that happening I just felt like the world was headed in a brilliant direction you could not have told me that we would have gone where we've gone since it just blows my mind yeah public enemy touring with anthrax yeah insane yeah yeah and there, there was, I mean, at that point around 92 the Judgment Night soundtrack come out which I don't know if you recall that the the and that was just like all of the biggest hip hop bands on the planet working with like 
rock bands and alternative bands like Teenage Fan Club doing done a track on there with Della Soul. It was just some mad shit, Faith No More with like Onyx and stuff like that. It was like real amazing time of like like you say, everything was kind of crossing over, and it was, and and it's a bit, it's it's a bit like that now, mm. in a different way it is, because isn't it? Yeah. I do think it was far more tribal then. Yeah, but but the tribes decided to all get on. Yeah, and that looked beautiful. Whereas when I watch Glastonbury now, and it is from my telly, I'll tell you now. Yeah, no one's getting me into a plastic toilet <laughs> on a hot day for the rest of my life. If I go to Glastonbury ever, it will be because I've got an Airstream caravan. Right, I'm just going to say it. So, but when I watched Glastonbury this year, I was amazed by how eclectic everyone's outfits and the mixture of music was. But it almost looks more like it's basically a huge spectrum of individuals rather than a bunch of gangs. Yeah, I don't know if I'm wrong. But no, I I agree, and I think that's because now. I find with the things like all the streaming services that people generally, what do you listen to? Oh, everything. Yeah. Like well, yeah. it's not like oh I'm an indie kid, or like oh I like, just listen to hip hop. I mean I think it probably is still there. I have to say to myself it, 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 it that is still happening. There must be young scenes, there's but we're just too old to know. Exactly, it's exactly that. Yeah. So like there's a lovely cafe where I've just moved to in. Uh, well, I'm just, I've just been staying in a, a lovely bit of Brighton called Hanover, and there's loads of interesting little pubs and bits of music and stuff going on. And uh, this girl was serving me like coffee and everything yesterday. And she was like, oh yeah, my bandmate was saying blah, blah, blah. I went, all right, what's your, what, what's your band? And she was like, oh, we're sort of a bit of a punk grunge sort of band. And I, a bit of me went, oh, good. I'm glad that still exists, <laughs> that, that, you, that, that you've said that's what it is. <laughs> Just like, well, we don't have a label on it. She, no, yeah. she went, we're a punk grunge band. Don't come yeah. near me or I'll fucking elbow you in the face. Like, I thought, brilliant. <laughs> Love it. So that, that, you know, it still exists, I think, but you're right. It's very, it's a huge, literally like a rainbow now, isn't it? Well, we've spoken a lot about uh, Manchester, so I'm going to ask you now to pick a track from your home county. Yes. Now, I very pointedly, maybe because it was just too overwhelming to figure out like a Manchester song. Yeah. So like to, to cover that ground... I just want to say I am the biggest Oasis, Stone Roses, Mondays fan, but also huge for me have been Doves. But almost as big as that has been a band called I Am Clute, right? oh. Johnny Bramwell. Oh. His songwriting and his, his voice and his lyrics probably is, is the one band that started to take me away from trying to be like buttoned up, coat, cool, surly fucking mank, right? I am Clute, fucking amazing, right? But then let's let's talk about I am Clute. Okay, yeah, love to, yeah. Because what a fucking band! I absolutely love. You them. mentioned a pub in Brighton. Uh, my favourite Brighton band's the Maccabees. Um, is that where they're from? That it is, yeah. And uh, and they've since split, obviously. Um, and uh, the White brothers, Felix and Hugo from the band, have got a new band called Eighty Six TVs, oh, that's and cool it's band. a nod to. The right, yeah. I'm Clue uh, wow. last track on the debut album. Um, that band, I stumbled across that band. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a venue called the Harlow Square mm-hmm. uh, just for a, a random gig night in Essex, and I said, "I'll go and watch this this band. I've heard like they're meant to be all right." And he come out, acoustic guitar, mm. foot on a beer crate, yeah, yeah, beer, uh, beer crate with beer him. crate, and he opened with Twist, 
Oh, and wow. We were speaking yeah. about I Want You by Elvis Costello. Yeah. That weirdness. Yeah. That's what I got the first time I did that. There's blood on your legs. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. fucking hell, what's this? Yeah. Blood on your legs, Mate. I love you. I was like, what is this? And there's a bit, it's almost a bit jazzy, isn't it? Like, doom, yeah. doom, 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 yeah. massively, a double bass. Like, amazing. Yeah. And I've got that, amazing. that single I bought that night, and I've got it signed by John. Brilliant. Like, it blew me away, and that band become a big thing. Yeah, what I, a fucking band. I heard that song way before I heard any of the others, right? Because yeah. I, had, I, had I had a compilation called Cohesion, which was like a Manchester compilation, but of all the odd little bands that I wasn't cool enough to go and see. Yeah, that's such so an indie like, title for yeah, a compilation. Yeah, it had, it had it? Jane Weaver on it, and it had, it had I'm Clute on it, and all sorts of stuff that I, I wish I'd have dug deeper and found out who they were, but I just used to listen to the Badly Drawn Boy was on it. So um, I remember thinking, that's amazing. I didn't know who they were. And then another mate of mine, two or three years later, was like, Mate, you've got to you've got to listen to the album or like the second album I think had come out, and it just blew me away. And um, I think one of the first one of the first songs that blew me away was uh, "Swim Out to the Ocean." Yeah, that'd do it. What's it called? Uh, same deep water as me. Yeah. Which is probably one of the first songs I tried to learn to not first songs, but I tried to play. And I, and I, you know, once you crack being able to strum and sing, yeah. it's like, God, I could just sing that every day forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, especially when, you, when you're playing rock stars at home and you've got a little amp and some headphones and you can put reverb on your own voice and all that. Yeah. I, just wanted to, I just wanted to be Johnny Bramwell so badly. It probably then went off for yeah. years trying to write songs that in some way are still trying to be Johnny yeah, Bramwell. Yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Uh, what a writer. And I, I love, like I say, from my, from my uh, sort of confession of walking around the countryside in, in a sort of emotional reverie, that's my favourite theme for songwriting anyway. It's like yeah. processing difficult, yeah, of course. hurtful stuff. And I, I think he's just a master at it. And uh, I, could easily have, I could easily name a million, not a million, but you know, dozens of uh, I Am Clute songs one that jumped into my head immediately is um, one called, I think it's Even the Stars mm -hmm. Die. I don't know if that's the title, but that's the, that's the chorus, Even the Stars Die. And then there's another one, um, I Still Do. Yeah. What a song. Yeah. When I was a boy. He talks about being destructive and uh, had a, a will to survive, made destruction my life. And, and he'll always do a he'll do a sweet sort of falsetto bit, but in between those sort of like sh quite sugary little bits of chorus, he's let he's really letting you in on yeah. quite a dark part of himself. Yeah, yeah just yeah. amazing. So I thought um, I I love I am Clute, and then what happened is that one day I was at my mum's, and I think Scylla Black was on the telly. She was going, oh yeah, no, like love Scylla, and we were talking about a friend of hers who passed away, who was massively into Scylla Black. But I, I always saw Scylla Black as like, like what your mum like on the telly, yeah. and singing surprise, surprise. Of right? So anyway, don't know how it happened, but my mum mentions this song called Liverpool Lullaby, right? So I put it on on YouTube, and I was just like, where the hell is this song? 
where's that come from? And it felt like an I Am Clute song. And I've since learnt it. And I, when I, if I do a, a cover set, it's a bit of a tricky one to play, actually, because it keeps changing key. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I just became obsessed with that song. And so what I've chosen, Scylla Black Liverpool Lullaby, as my song from Lancashire, yeah. because it feels like... And I'd love to meet Johnny Brown. I have met him, actually. I've hung out with him. But I'd love to ask him if Liverpool Lullaby was on his radar when he was honing in on what types of song he wants yeah, to write. Yeah, yeah. Because cause it feels, it's got that feeling of a blueprint. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. And it's, it's a very, it's a very sort of, um, if you like, um, Sheila Delaney, Saturday night, Sunday morning, yeah, yeah. taste of honey feeling lyric because it's all about a kid basically his mum, it's basically a mum doing serenading their own kid who's who's a poor child probably obviously in, in, in Liverpool who's in bed and the dad's out getting pissed and the kid's got a dirty face and when your dad gets in you better make sure you're asleep or you'll get a belt from your yeah. dad it literally has a lyric in it you'll get a belt from your dad yeah. like it is literally like it's it's everywhere. It's it's the it's the cobbly back streets that gave birth to Coronation Street. It's everywhere, northern and cold. Yeah, it's an amazing song. It's beautiful, and Scylla Black sing, sings it beautifully, and it's beautifully written. I, I, I'm sitting here. I'm embarrassed to say I don't even. I can't even tell you who wrote it. Yeah, uh, should should have a look really, but I don't want to like give you dead air for the show. But uh, I chose that song because. I feel like I did my years. We all know how many how many amazing Oasis songs, Stone Roses songs, you know, like Bye Bye Bad Man, you know, uh, even just on Oasis songs, I'll get stuck trying to choose between five or six of my top ones. But I love I love specifically love Slide Away and Rocking Chair above uh, above a lot of other songs. Slide Away's up there from. There's just something about certain moments with those songs that what's happening is very simple, but something crosses over when he sings a certain... Noel still does it, and with his, his latest song, he's, he's done it again. His le- Noel's latest song, he's got that thing where just something very simple with the same chords he always uses, something just happens which is just perfect. And I learn everything I love about music and writing songs and being a, a hobbying songwriter, I should say. I'm, no, I'm nobody that anyone's heard of. But uh, I thought it all came from that. But I am Clute, and then this... That's what I love about music, is you, you find out where things came from, yeah. and then you go and look over there, and you go, oh, right. Yeah. So this whole thing has come from that sensibility. like, And then you dig there, and it will make you a better music fan and a better musician because you go off and you find the genesis of some other stuff you like. So suddenly you're realizing that even though you still love indie and guitar-based songwriting, there's something in a space in between country and even like really old kind of like, um, who who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of like Noel Coward and stuff like that, that you sort of think, and Gershwin, where you think, shit, it all goes, it all goes back all yeah. the way there. You know, you must remember this and like all the crooning songs, yeah. you know, like, so I just love figuring out that map. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to give it to Scylla, also in a spirit of friendship to Scousers as a Manx. Manx and Scousers have always battled over football, but you only have to get even the, the, the most hardcore football fans talking about music, and we're all over each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. Absolutely. Well, it's your last track, mm. Nico, and you can be uh, an influencer, the kids call it. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd like you to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that mm. you would like them to hear. Right. Well, you know, earlier we were saying about um, having a new appreciation for eras you've lived through and music that maybe just felt like the background music to having your breakfast before you went to school and it was like, yeah, that's good, so what? Not cool, it's not edgy, it's not punk, it's not hardcore, it's not heavy metal, whatever it is you're into. So I've been listening to lots of songs that are in the ballpark of um, Aztec Camera and stuff like that, right? And uh, uh, who else is in that era, like Climby Fisher? Remember all those big singles, that are like Deacon Blue and things like that, that are like shamelessly sort of sellout pop and quite gentle. Some tunes like, in there, hang mate. on a minute. How good is this, right? The lyrics to Dignity by Deacon Blue. Yeah, yeah. Mate. Yeah, right. So I've been listening to stuff like that, and then suddenly my mate goes, you've got to listen to my mate Miles Chapman, who I often have on my podcast, by the way, which is called Stupid Hearts Club, by the way. We'll please, talk about please, that. We'll on. talk about that. <laughs> but Miles comes on quite often. Miles has got quite an interesting uh, musical past, actually. If you, you, might, you might be interested in me putting you in touch with him. Played in quite a few bands that did all right and stuff. His taste slightly older than me. His taste goes more like his formative years goes more into that territory. So he starts sending me a load of tunes. Sends me a song called um, "When Love Breaks Down" by Prefab Sprout, right? And I'm like, "Yeah, this is good." Second listen, actually, this is really good. Third listen, I want to marry this song. When Love Breaks Down and Prefab Sprout, probably I think they had bigger hits than that, right? King of Rock and Roll was uh, a, right. a huge there tune, Hey Manhattan and like, but the, the Steve McQueen record. Yes, yes. Uh, mate. So I went and listened to that and, you know, I said before how well, the way it's working for me at the moment is be in love with like five to ten songs at a time. Yeah. At the moment, Prefab Sprout, I, I can't wait. I have to go, that has to be number two, whatever I'm listening to this week. I just have to have a quick go at yeah. that. And I like to walk in places where I'm one of those people that is not ashamed to sing along to my headphones. Okay. And I, I cringe when I say that out loud because I yeah. realise you just look like an absolute No, nutter. but you know what? Like, if everyone done it, mm. wouldn't it be a nicer place if everyone's just literally having a sing-song walking down the road? Just it'd look fucking mental, absolute. but it'd be lovely, though, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it? I mean, I'll... Because it's I'll, joy, I'll, right? I'll, I'll, clock, I'll clock that I'm not too... Yeah, you know, like not going to like annoy anyone yeah. on a bus or whatever. But I'd much rather see you walking down, like you know, the street in Brighton, singing prefab spray yeah, yeah. with your more sensible haircut than you having your button up top with your <laughs> yeah, mank haircut, yeah, exactly, giving right. it the Richard Ashcroft straight down yeah, the middle yeah. of the road, chewing and not <laughs> exactly. you know, like being too cool for school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what a tune! And you know, again, like Miles sent me a few other songs that he was. Oh, have you heard um, "Walk Out to Winter"? I don't know who that's by now. Uh, anyway, a load of tunes suddenly got put on the playlist, but that Mary's Prayer. 
Danny Wilson. Danny Wilson. Um, that era of music, it's, it's, it's quite strange. Again, that was probably maybe 87, 88, uh, the, you know, Deacon Blue. And, and, and obviously, uh, um, Aztec Camera, mm. like Roddy Framer being about writing long before that, but it was Somewhere in My Heart, obviously, oh, that was, uh, which that, is one of the greatest pop yeah. songs ever written. I mean, that's, that's on the list as well. Yeah. Just been one of the greatest intros ever as well. I think like also like I went through a miserable couple of years and fairly recently and as I've like I said before I'm coming out of it wanting to like nod my head again instead of just listening to like piano sonatas and yeah. looking at the mist yeah and thinking it's all really like you know ethereal and artistic yeah what a way to come back to being in a good mood more often you know yeah. move to Brighton and stomping down the front listening to Aztec camera yeah absolutely buzzing yeah like looking forward to whatever's ahead absolutely. you could not have told me that that was going to be the case like even like six to months ago a year ago like coming out of the gloom of the pandemic and a load of other shit that went on um, that's lovely really yeah. buzzing it's good isn't it so that's a, re a really nice reason to end on a song we go go and, go and get your ears into something that is just gloriously it's good, it, it's sort of modern, and it's aged really well, and it's good for happy, happy moods. Absolutely, absolutely. We make it easy for people to go and uh, do that because we put together a Spotify playlist oh, brilliant. to accompany the podcast with yeah. all of the songs that we've spoken about today so people can go and, and check that out. And, and speaking of glorious things and things that are, you know, are getting your head nodding and getting you, you know, more positive and, uh, and away from staring into the mist, let's talk about the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. Tell me all about it. Um, right, I've got a podcast that is available on all, all platforms at the moment called Stupid Hearts Club, right? So I ended up calling it that because that was like the name I've given to a musical project which now that I've moved to Brighton, I'm intending to turn that late in life, I must say. It's not like I'm trying to be a rock star. But I've just decided... It's too much fun making music, writing songs, and even do, going out and doing covers and whatever. Like I, I've got no shame whatsoever standing in a bistro, singing the sort of songs we've just talked about, yeah. right? Trying to be classy doing it. But Stupid Hearts Club is the name I've given to like, my music stuff. So then I gave my Instagram the name Stupid Hearts Club. And then I just thought, well, I'm trying to send everyone to different places. So I just thought, I'll call it Stupid, I'll call the podcast Stupid Hearts Club it was called GSOH, Good Sense of Humour, because I write comedy and mm -hmm. that's been my job for like 18 years and I often have a comedy guest on. I just thought, no, sod it, everything's Stupid Hearts Club from now on. I'll probably even get the tattoo. Yeah. You know, no, never too late and all that, right? So Stupid Hearts Club was actually a name that me and a girl gave to our um, gloriously romantic, ill-advised, long-distance relationship that we tried very hard to make work. Stupid Hearts Club meant fuck it, let's do it anyway, you know what I mean? Like, wear your heart on your sleeve. Yeah. Basically, be a romantic, be a hopeless romantic against the odds. Yeah. And as you may have gleaned by now, with the sort of music I like listening to and making, I love, I love a bit of, like, forlorn heartbreak and, yeah. you know, just yearning yeah. and all that. So that's, like, bang center what I'm all about. But as I started the podcast, intending it to be just a funny chat, wear your heart on your sleeve, stupid heart club can also just mean be a dick, mess around, you know, 
having a wacky heart. Well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, being silly is what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having yeah. a stupid heart is yeah. just fucking still being up to mischief and yeah, yeah, yeah. making each other giggle and all that. But um, then what started happening was I, I did go through... Uh, Quite honestly, it was. It ended up being like a full fucking nervous breakdown, due to some dodgy medication and some uh, some trying circumstances and the pandemic and all that. And on the way into that, I was already whoever I had have on. We'd all we were all checking on each other through the pandemic, so mental health was coming up. Then I paused my Patreon for three months because I was literally not capable of turning my laptop on and. Um, I just couldn't have a conversation. Like my my brain turned to mush. Oh, it got bad. It then. got bad. It was like medic medication that wasn't suiting me. I just lost like eighty percent of my personality. It just it was very very odd. And they were really understanding. I had dropped messages once a month saying I'm not ready to come back yet. Then when I was ready to come back, that had to be processed. So I was like talking about that, and so like. I think like a year on now, having started whenever I first started the podcast, the people that come and listen to that, and they've also, the same people have, they're all mainly Matt Morgan fans. I, I, I was guesting on Matt Morgan's podcast, and me and him go down really well on his podcast. So like, you know, please go and find Matt. He's on Patreon. But I've, I've basically inherited some of his lovely listeners, and now I'm kicking on from there. Um, so I've, there's probably about 40-odd episodes up, if you go and find it. Feel free to go back as far as you want, but what you will hear if you go back and find uh, uh, somewhere around episode 30-ish is like, I went away for a bit, and then I came back saying, okay, that was weird, and I process what happened, and, uh, you know, it was like a little bit little bit trembly around the knees for a couple of episodes but it was really important and so it's still an entertaining silly chat and quite a lot of it is me taking the piss out of mates and all being horrible to each other in a funny way but I love processing and being open and talking about mental health because I've you know I'm, I'm really well versed in that stuff even before all that shit happened done loads of therapy def very pro getting people talking and I get feedback all the time from people saying, this has really helped me realize that I need to go and talk to someone. And like they inbox me and we did a live one and people come and watch and they come up and say thank you. And like, it's just, it, that's what we were saying to you before. I'm very, very much in love with the podcast universe. The reason I'm so in love with it is because it is a community. Yeah, really And I'm is. just blown away. So like my little podcast is still, you know, it's a hidden, let's call it a hidden gem, if I'm going to blow smoke up my ass. Got a small audience, and I'm going to keep at it for as long as it takes. Yeah. It's my baby. And the, the followers I've got, they mean the absolute world to me. So like, if you'd like to join in and come and have a listen, see what you think. But yeah, I mean, I'd love you to come on sometime if you'd, if you'd be up love for a to. chat. Yeah, Absolutely great. love to. If people want to find it, so it's on all the usual platforms, and if they want to keep up to speed with you, yeah. so uh, social media? I'm on Instagram, uh, Stupid Hearts Club. That's the only social media I really bother with. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I tend to like let it be known. But basically, it comes out every, approximately every week 
four, okay. four a month anyway. And if it's cool with you, when this episode comes out, we'll tag you in it on the social so people oh, can go find you yeah. if they haven't already done so. Fantastic, thank you. Mate, it's been an absolute delight. I've yeah. had such a nice time talking, mate. Oh, well, I'm not really breathed out yet. I know I, know I talk, I do talk <laughs> when I get going. But that just, that's Makes good. That just easy means for I'm me. excited. <laughs> oh, it's great. Honestly, mate, thank you so much. I've really loved it. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. What a gent Nico was. Oh, it was a wonderful chat. It was so nice to be face-to-face and, and to be back in London. And, and yeah, just, I don't know, you get that kind of, I get a little London-y vibe when I'm only 10 minutes up the road, but when I get into the city and and I've got my little rucksack with me, my little recorder and my microphones, and I sit down, set it all up, and, and then, uh, yeah, make a little brew and then sit and have a chat. It's lovely. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's amazing, you know, the benefits of being able to do these things remotely and over Zoom and stuff like that. But you can't beat being in a room with someone and and feeling that kind of, you know, the, the, the sort of ambience of the room and the, you know, the body language and and just yeah, it just brings a little bit more. And it was it was lovely. And uh, and if you got a, a fraction of the the joy listening to that that I did having that chat with Nico. Uh, then we've all had a lovely time. Um, I've stayed in touch with Nico. He's um, he's going to be guesting on the uh, Reach Out for Mental Health podcast, which is uh, a, a podcast that I do for a charity, a suicide prevention charity, and it's over on Spotify. And uh, and we've we've had some guests on there uh, that have been on here. There's amazing chat with Billy from the Subway. Scroob's been on. Um, who else has been on? Um, Silky from Death at Guitar Pop, but it, it, it's a very different podcast. It's a bit of a deep dive into their their struggles and their journey and and their and their ways of um, ensuring that they keep their mental health where it wants to be. Um, and yeah, you can find that. So yeah, a little plug for that one there. Um, and yeah, I think we're done. I'll be back next time. In the meantime, uh, be nice to each other, and I'll see you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>